now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Super heart. tell you steve taylor is cool isn't he yeah he is i love this song his whole cd um i want to be a clone is so good <laughs> i i wish that he had like 500 of these type songs because they're so good yeah they are all right so i am now going to silence that yeah okay and then i'm going to pause that and then I'm going to shut that over there. And then I'm going to shut that too, just so you know. Okay, and I'm going to say hello, people. Ah, it is Thursday. Yeah, it is. It's Thursday. It's been a busy day for me here in Middle Tennessee. Bareface and I always go to a networking meeting in the first thing in the morning at 9 o'clock. And uh, 
you know, at 7 a.m. every morning, I'm on a phone call with my Legal Shield team. Technically, I'm not on their team, but don't tell them. <laughs> I got to tell you, this this thing is so funny. In Legal Shield, there's teams, right? So, like, I'm building a team. I have a team of um, associates. Some of you guys are, and if you want to be on my team, you can be. It's not that hard. But there are all these teams. People have been in this business for 25 years. And so there's these two teams, Team New Vision, which is the one I'm actually on in their lineage, you know, basically the guy, the, the top guys there, uh, Darnell Self, who's like the number two seller in Legal Shield, uh, is in that. That's his team. I, I don't know if he actually formulated, but he's like the number two guy. So it, that's his team, right? Team New Vision. Yeah. Well, that's the team I'm in, and that's all of my downline is in that team as well, because, duh, hello, you're in my team. So we're all in Team New Vision, and Gina is spelling it right. It's N-U Vision. Okay, Team New Vision. But here's the thing. Months ago, I met a lady. She invited me on this morning stretch call, which is a basic morning accountability call. And this is for a team called Team Ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T. And even though I am supposedly in Team Ascent, one person in there told me, no, you're not. You're not in Team Ascent. <laughs> and I'm like, does that mean I can't come on these calls anymore? Because I love these calls. They're awesome. And they're like, you can only talk one time on the phone call. Yes, we'll let you stay, you know, seeing you're participating and stuff. But otherwise, no. Because the way it works is this Team Ascent team is actually training me every day, but whenever I make a sale, nobody in that lineage is getting anything. <laughs> it's all going over to Team New Vision because that's where my, that's where it goes, you know, because you people make money ahead above you and stuff. So anyway, um, I think it's personally super cool that Team Ascent has allowed me to be a little adopted member of Team Ascent and all that. So. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, that's why. I was going to say, I have no idea why I told you all that. But it's because tomorrow, yesterday, I misspoke, people. I have to correct my error. I actually thought today was my one-year anniversary of being in Legal Shield. It's actually tomorrow. You know that? T tomorrow, one whole year, I have been in Legal Shield. And this show is sponsored in part by Legal Shield, Ladies of Justice. I want you to know that there are at least 101 reasons to use Legal Shield. Yeah, there are. And if you'd like to get this sheet here where you can learn all 101 ways why you should use the service, just let me know. I can send it to you. All right. And here's the thing. I have to tell you that you would be surprised at how many of these things you actually deal with. Like, for example, number 26, a hairdresser damages your hair with harsh chemicals. Have you ever had that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, you are called to jury duty. Did you know that you can use Legal Shield if you're called to jury duty? Um, a car dealership gains illegal access to your credit history. Ah, you are hit by a bottle at a baseball game. Mm-hmm. Your neighbor's dog bites your child. Angry words result in a slander lawsuit. You're stopped for speeding and a friend is in possession of marijuana. That should not be any of you people. Just saying. You are scheduled to appear in small claims court. Your new house has had a plumbing and a leaky roof. I want you guys to know these are literally 
101 reasons that people have used Legal Shield. These are legit. Every single one of these things Legal Shield has been able to deal with and help with. And there's so much more. I mean, I could add 10 of my own on here that aren't on here. So I know people are like, well, I don't know what I would use Legal Shield for. But you know what? Here's 101 reasons why you could use it. <laughs> uh, so tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about that. But for now, let's just say I'm super excited that tomorrow is my one year anniversary of being in Legal Shield because it has been a very cool thing. So what we're going to do though, to today is we're going to talk about some headlines. I actually got four stories. I'm going to read you the headlines. Dancing with the scoffers when a physically healthy teen is euthanized. The most post-Christian cities, actually it's the most post-Christian cities in America. And then, of course, this article titled UFOs and the Big Post Rapture Lie. Yeah. Okay, so Bareface, come back to the screen. Come. Come over to this side where, where they can see you. There yeah, you are. Yeah, is that this oh, side? There it is. You can see him now. He's over there. Cider. That side. I don't know. Let me look at your face. I think that the, the left is your better side. Yeah, that side's better. All right. Uh, yeah. Stand on camera this I, way. If I do this, it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. So you guys probably get sick of the harps occasionally, but whatever. We're Even sorry. I do. We're so. Sorry. <laughs> of course, this I morning, live with me 24 so 7. This, this morning at the networking meeting, before me and Bareface go, I'm like, Maybe we should like change elevators pitches. I should do one for Chapel Hill Media. You do the one for Legal Shield. Yeah. And so right before he gets up, and he, he's, he says to me in front of everybody, and there's Oops. probably 20 people there today at least. Um, that was he says, pretty good attendance. Are we going to switch today? And I'm like, no. And uh, so he gave this like 30-second pitch. And then, of course, I got up. Well, everybody else, you know, it was supposed to be one minute-ish, and some were like five minutes. And... Well, notice it's the women talking long. Surprise, surprise, surprise. God gave us more words yeah. for a reason. Just saying. So I figured I'd try to, you know, take the average back down by making mine less than a minute. Yes, and then I got up and I shared the foot-foot joke. Yeah, I did. Randall was like, oh, God, please don't do that. Please. Do not share this joke. You want and... to build relationships, not <laughs> shut them down. Uh, I have to honestly Business tell you... is about making relationships, not repelling people. By the way, if you have not heard the foot foot joke... Consider yourself extremely um, fortunate and blessed. All you have blessed. to do is go over to LinkedIn because I posted a video over there today saying it. But here... <laughs> you did that on LinkedIn? I did. And here's Good the... luck with that. Hey. I'm sweet and loveful. I can get away with it. Just saying. Okay. The other thing we'll is. see what that, happens. See if you lose connections on LinkedIn <laughs> after that. Doubt it. But you know what? I literally cut that foot, foot, foot joke. I was going to say off at the knees. <laughs> that was that was so bad. No. Anyway, I actually, I actually um, did that foot, foot joke in three minutes and under. Yeah, I did. Just saying. And, um, and what was really super funny about it 
is that people laughed. Yeah, they did. Oh, you and someone else. No, so was it was like, plural. No, it was at least half the people in that room laughed. They actually thought it was funny. Okay. In a like groaning type of way. Just mm-hmm. saying. Okay, and Danielle, if you go over to my LinkedIn profile on LinkedIn, just look up my name, Stacy Lynn Harp. <laughs> you can follow me on LinkedIn. I made a video. Yeah, just saying. Okay, so what story do you want to look at first? I think we should look at the the this one when a physically healthy teen is euthanized. Yeah, it's it's so so heartbreaking. Um, yeah. yeah, let's start there. So we don't. I don't want to end there. No, let's start here. Okay. Um, so listen to this. This is on Prophecy News Watch. It says the story sure. is heartbreaking beyond words. Yeah, I guess it is terribly sad, tragic. Um agonizing when you read it you'll wish you could somehow turn back the clock and change the final outcome but it's too late for that all we can do is mourn a lost life and sound the alarm what else can we say or do when a physically healthy 17 year old girl in the netherlands chooses to be euthanized because of severe depression and emotional pain as reported by gateway pundit this past sunday noah uh, Pothoven was euthanized after battling with depression after being molested as a young child. She posted on Instagram the day before she died that she was still breathing, but no longer alive. All we can do is mourn a lost life and sound the alarm, which is what I'm trying to do, people, just so you know. She wrote, I get straight to the point. Within a maximum of 10 days, I will die. After years of fighting and fighting, it is finished. I have now stopped eating and drinking for a while. And after many conversations and reviews, it has been decided that I will be released because my suffering is unbearable. It is finished. I have not really been alive for so long. I survive and not even that. Did I say this story was heartbreaking? The devastating impact of childhood sexual abuse And just in case you don't know, I happen to be a survivor of childhood sexual abuse many years over. So I can, I can, um, I can understand exactly what that damage is. First, we cannot overstate the devastating damage caused by sexual abuse, especially when the victim is a minor. It can totally destroy someone's life, leading to depression, substance abuse, self-harm, including suicide, or deviant and destructive forms of behavior. Although I'm not a professional counselor, I have heard scores of stories from childhood victims of sexual abuse, some of them unbearably painful just to hear, let alone to experience. And I can tell you, even when I went through my my training in graduate school, I I had to hear a whole bunch, plus the clients I dealt with. Um, Help us champion truth, freedom. Okay, no, forget that part. In in the late 1990s, a blind 16-year-old girl explained to me how she became blind. It began with being sexually abused as a child, causing her so much pain that she became a drug user. But the drugs could not heal her wounds, so she and her boyfriend made a death pact, persuading another friend to shoot them both in the head. I have to hold back tears as I write. The friend succeeded in killing her boyfriend. She, however, survived the gunshot to the brain only to be left blind, adding to her agony. The friend, of course, went to jail for his actions, which is good. Thankfully, this young woman had come to know Jesus in a personal way and had found a ray of hope. 
Otherwise, her story, like the story of millions of other victims of abuse, would still be dark and hopeless. She saw no way of escape. As for the teen who chose to end her life in the Netherlands, the New York Post <clears throat> reports that she was sexually abused at 11 and raped three years later. And this was the cause of her unbearable pain. And they put that in quotes. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, I kind of want to. Because that's a quote from the article. Yeah, okay, I know. It just, yeah. Anyway, we dare not criticize her for the decision to end her life, especially in a culture that allows physically healthy children as young as 12 to choose euthanasia. As long as, as long as they parental consent. I have. Okay. Missing word. I really hate it when people don't proofread their yeah. articles. Okay, any, as long as they have parental consent and a doctor's recommendation, to which I would say, if a parent actually consents to their 12-year-old killing themselves, I wouldn't want those as parents. Well, they just should saying. be reported to. Yeah, and the doctor, just saying, that doctor should not be a doctor, in my opinion. Yeah, those two, yeah. Anyway, obviously in her mind, she was fighting a losing battle against her pain and saw no possible way of escape. And the only difference between Noah and thousands of other young people who commit suicide is that she chose to do so through a government system. But it is that system that must be criticized, right? A system that offers death instead of hope. It is a system that does not rally around a victim and say, one way or another, we will find a way to help you. One way or another, we will help you get to the root. I think that should be root. Of your agony and maybe, find a lasting cure. Maybe this was a speech to text. Yeah, I don't know. Transcription. Instead, the system says, if you're deeply depressed and utterly hopeless, the solution is death. All your troubles will go away. Except that's not true because if you're not a born-again believer you you just made yourself go to hell quicker uh but you but anyway i don't maybe you guys don't believe in hell but anyway is this how we treat human life do we put people to sleep like dogs and horses because their emotional pain is deemed insufferable CBS News reported in August 2017 that euthanasia has become a common way to die in the Netherlands, accounting for 4.5% of deaths, according to researchers who say requests are increasing from people who are terminally ill. In 2002, the Netherlands became the first country in the world that made it legal for doctors to help people die. Both euthanasia, where doctors actively kill patients, and assisted suicide, where physicians prescribe patients a lethal dose of drugs, are allowed which I, I know. I, I know this. I just don't like to talk about it. Anyway, people must be suffering unbearably with no hope of relief, but their condition does not have to be fatal. And you know, but who defines suffering unbearably? See, that is the issue. I mean, that's really one of the, it's like, who are you to decide what, who, what is considered unbearable? Yeah. And I'm going to interject here. Go ahead. Well, interject, Mister. Well, because it's 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 subjective. It's the person. The person saying, "Well, I'm suffering unbearably." Right. Well, and and in this case, I mean, we're not talking about someone with a terminal disease. They said, you know, people who aren't terminally ill, you know, the condition doesn't have to be fatal. But okay, right. we're leaving it up to the person. We're talking a 17 year old girl with severe depression. Certainly, she's in a rational position. To decide she's, you know, suffering unbearably and and the best solution is to end her life. And, I mean, if it was someone else, if she was, if she was talking about suicide, 
mm. had you know suicidal speech you know tendencies you know we would we would want to intercede because obviously she's suffering unbearably and not in her right mind because of severe depression you know for 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 good reason uh because of the abuse but then she's a teenage girl besides yep. you know she's a teen um and uh, you know just being a teenager you know it's, it's past pubescence but still 17 i mean anybody out there who's ever been 17 and look back and looks back no they weren't all together at 17 most <laughs> most weren't anyway we thought we had it all together and thought I we didn't. were thinking straight, but look back like, oh my goodness, good thing I lived past 17. And and no one allowed me to, you know, or, or reinforced radical life-ending decisions, like to end my life, and we're going to help you with it. It's just, it's just what kind of... What kind of system? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to read the rest of the article because I got other articles I want to mm. read. But what I will say is if you think about it, Isaiah 520 says that good will be called evil and evil will be called good. Right? We've talked, we talk about this all the time. So, but the question that I have is how come people don't actually really look at the underlying the underlying role that these humans are playing. And you know what it is? The underlying role that these evildoers are playing is the role of God. Because cause what they're doing is they're choosing to take a life or persuade somebody to take a life, whether it's euthanasia, which should terrify us all, by the way. Even in America, I know some of you guys out there are in Canada and a couple other states, but I... I should tell you that you should be scared because euthanasia is the op it's on the opposite rung of abortion. And right now the evildoers in our country are trying to I mean they're they're mocking God intentionally by going out and basically saying, you know what, we're going to pass these laws about partial birth abortion again. And you know what, if the baby is born alive just by accident, guess what? We're going to kill it after it's born. It's treacherous. It's wicked. It's evil. And now, you know, the euthanasia thing, you know, Dr. Jack Vorkin, thank God that man is in jail. But what I can tell you is that the push for euthanasia on the end of end of life, right? People like my dad would be massive candidates for that, you know? And I have to tell you something. Look, I, I deal with my dad the, every day. I saw him this afternoon. And he's got, like, he's so cute, actually. He has, <laughs> he's got his whiskers growing out. When he eats, he drools constantly, like, down his chin. I mean, it's he's like a child. He has, like all this food all over his face. Um, but he can get up, he can walk, you know, he can talk, you know, he drools a little, he can't remember things perfect because he's got dementia. He's got Parkinson's. I've talked a lot about that. Right. But you know what? There are some people who would look at my dad and go, this man, it's a wasted life. We're just waiting for him to die. That's all we're doing, you know? And you know, I have to tell you, it's sad. And yet at the same time, you know, I was talking to my friend, Melanie, uh, from high school, she has a, a child who is um, on the spectrum of severely disabled. Um, 
beautiful kid. And she, she was telling me about how, you know, how people don't value that type of life because they don't see the beauty in it. You know, if, if we're not perfect, you know, and by the way, none of us are perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if we don't live up to some certain, you know, Darwinist ideal of the, you know, survival of the fittest type ideal that, you know, Margaret Sanger or, you know, Charles Darwin had or something, uh, then you're worthy. Or the Third Reich. Yeah, or the, you're worthy of death, right? I mean, and yet, who are you to take life? You're not God. God gives life. Who are we to take it? Now, look, I know people will go, well, well, you're a freaking hypocrite, Harp. You know why? Because you, you think that it's okay to impose death penalty on people, um, and so thereby you're a hypocrite. To which I would say, you are not that smart. <laughs> I don't mean that in a mean way, but what I would say is you, you, you get to, you're getting lines blurred because one is a penalty for a crime. The other is a penalty just because you don't like the state of who somebody is, you know? I mean, who gives you the right to kill somebody that just because you don't think they're good? I mean, Down syndrome babies are selectively aborted, right? Oh, your baby's going to be a Down syndrome baby. So you know what? We'll give you the option to abort it in the womb. Why not? Because you're just going to have this burden your whole life, you know? This is the BS that the evildoers on the left talk about all the time, and it should concern us. And I will tell you this, we are actually fighting in a dark, 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 dark culture. The problem is so many people in the church don't want to look at it. You know why? And I'm going to tell you why. And don't get mad at me, okay? I mean, you can if you want. I get people mad at me all the time. But it's because so many people are saturated within the evil entertainment of the world today that they have grown numb to the actual sanctity and holiness and miracle of life. That's why. And I can tell you, because I don't watch TV for the most part, I have, you know, I watch occasional documentaries or something, but I, I don't watch, I don't watch TV. I mean, I can't even tell you what the top TV shows are out there. I've never seen one episode of American Idol. I know, don't hate me, man. Just saying. I don't go to the movies, generally speaking, because it's all, it's all, garbage and so much death promotion you're so numb to it that you don't even realize that's what they're dumping all over you you know so we have to be the vocal voice you know for those who can't be a voice for themselves i mean who was advocating on behalf of that girl 17 year old girl why wasn't she in some type of therapy with a therapist that could help her overcome depression and and what weren't antidepressant goods uh, drugs good in this t case you know I mean not that I'm an advocate for them because I'm not but at, it would have been better than killing her you know to put her on something that could help her you know so there's there's options that that people aren't given and yes depression I have been there I have done that I have been there a long 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 time people and I know most of you don't believe it, but Bareface over here, wherever he is, over he's here. over there, he's there, he's actually across the table from me. But Bareface, he can tell you, he's walked with me for 30 years almost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he can testify to me, to my depression days. And, you know, well, why don't you go ahead? You, you can testify. Go for it.
I mean, you should because I think we've all you, had days of. It. I think all of us have had days of depression. Hmm. And uh, well, we're talking years, of, though, not just days. Okay, well, um, uh, yeah, years. Um, certainly, uh, there's been times that uh, in the past, his days was just not under a black cloud, but was a black cloud. He used to it? actually say that to me. I mean, just, um, yeah. Oh, somebody named I Jimmy Crilly says, yeah, you don't understand mental illness. To saying who doesn't? <laughs> I think me. Well, you might explain that MS at the end of your name then. <laughs> yeah, I have a master's of science degree in clinical psychology and practiced as a therapist for a long time. You're right. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, but so that's the thing, you know, if people like in my life didn't come by and help me through that, then, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know me. I mean, you know, it's part of my journey and we all deal with stuff, but I have to say that, you know, we as Christians, you know, we have to offer that hope to people. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. And I don't care what anybody says, that is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And people are like, well, rah, rah. you know, you're just a bunch of hypocrites and you, you need, you're, you're a crutch leaner. You know, Jesus is your crutch. Yeah, he is. And dang proud of it. And, you know, I mean, you can insult me all you want, but I, you can't take my testimony away. And that's the thing the devil hates. When we testify of what Jesus has done for us, the darkness has to flee, just saying. So there you go right there. All right. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a sad story. And just, we, just, um, yeah, go just ahead. And note on that, there are eight states here in the U.S. that have legalized assisted suicide. Tennessee, one of them? No. Good. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So... Uh, which story would you like to talk about next? The 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 most post-Christian cities in America, Dancing with the Scoffers, or the UFO win? Vote in the chat room. UFO, post-Christian, or scoffers. scoffers? Go ahead, vote right now. We'll give you a minute to hear that, and then and then you can you can vote. So UFO came up first. Natasha says post-Christian. Rachel says post-Christmas. Sean says, <laughs> Melanie says scoffers. All right. Well, it looks like post-Christian gets the first vote. So let's see if we have like one more vote. Like, okay. Well, we're going to get to them all. So we'll just do the post-Christian one. Okay. So the, the most post-Christian cities in America, 2019. This is over on Barna.com. Over the past year, Barna Research has unpacked faith trends in the U.S., including a general reluctance to engage in spiritual conversations, an aversion to evangelism, and the erosion of religious belief and practice. These stories and more continue to point to an increasingly secularized nation made up of increasingly secularized cities. Based on data compiled from FaithView, Barna's new subscription-based online database of city, state, and national spiritual profiles, let's take a look at the changing religious makeup of American cities using our post-Christian metric. And by the way, I shall remind you that atheism is now like, like first. That's what I heard recently. 
All right, so to qualify as post-Christian, individuals must meet nine or more of the 16 criteria listed below, which identify a lack of Christian identity, belief, and practice. These factors include whether individuals identify as atheist, uh, have never made a commitment to Jesus, have not attended church in the last year, or have not read the Bible in the last week. These kinds of questions compared to ticking the, quote, Christian, unquote, box in a sentence, get beyond how people loosely identify themselves, the affiliation, and to the core of what people actually believe and how they behave as a result of their belief or practice. These indicators give a much more accurate picture of belief and unbelief in America. Here are the year's top 10 post-Christian cities in America. Drum roll. That's not really a drum, but close enough. All right, so here they are. Springfield, Holyoke, Massachusetts. Portland, Auburn, Maine, Providence, Rhode Island, New Bedford, Massachusetts, Burlington, Vermont, Boston, Massachusetts, Manchester, New Hampshire, Albany, Schenectady, Troy, New York, Hartford, New Haven, Connecticut, Rochester, New York, Santa Ana, or that's not right, Santa Barbara, Santa Maria, San Luis Obispo, California, and Seattle, Tacoma, Washington. There you go, people. So there it looks like Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, New York, Connecticut, California, a little part of California, and Washington have the top 10 post-Christian labels smacked on them. The very areas where Christian missionaries first landed. Interesting, huh? In North America, yeah. Yeah. So, but this isn't surprising either because these are actually um, very strong democratic footholds as well. Just so you know. Uh, so, okay. Uh, so, uh, okay. So, yeah, let's scroll down a little bit. So, have not read the Bible in the last week. In Springfield, Holyoke, Massachusetts, 87% of the people don't read the Bible there. Just so you know. Uh, Waco, Temple, Bryan, Texas, 67% actually don't read the Bible in Texas. Now, that's that's interesting. Charleston, Huntington. Well, Waco makes sense. But... Uh, West Virginia, 58% don't read the Bible there, or at least they have not read the Bible in the last week. Have not attended a Christian church in the last six months. Massachusetts again, Texas, and West Virginia, 37 Have never made a commitment to Jesus. Springfield, Holyoke, Massachusetts, 60%. This is a mission field, people. Somebody needs to move to Massachusetts. Waco, Temple, Bryan, Texas, 37%. And Charleston, Huntington, West Virginia, 22%. Have not prayed to God in the last week. Yes, Massachusetts has not, just so you know. Same, the, same, the same three places. Disagree that faith is important in their lives. <laughs> Massachusetts again. Yeah, Massachusetts goes for the win. And so much more. Okay, so that's it. I think they're just taking uh, a sample of kind of like yeah. um, both the you know the high, the middle, and the low. So where does our city rank? Okay, so there's the top top 100. Our city probably isn't on here, but there is Knoxville, Tennessee, at 99. And uh, let's see, is there Nashville in here? I'm just curious if Nashville is in here. Nashville, Tennessee, Green Bay. I'd be surprised if it was in the top 100. Yeah, but but 
but Knox Knoxville is oh. in the buckle of the Bible Belt. What was the first state, though? Um, Springfield, yeah. So Springfield, Holyoke, Massachusetts is number one, and Charleston, Huntington, West Virginia is one hundred. So yeah, you guys should go there. I'll tweet this out, then you can look at it later. Yeah. So what we were looking at earlier is number one rank, number fifteen, number one hundred, or yeah. number fifty-one, I guess. Yeah. So, so yeah. The... All right. So most you know, post-Christian, the least, and then the middle. I have muted a user in our chat room because of bad language, not because I care about what you're saying, but bad language really is not appropriate. A Bible news radio chat room, just so you know. Okay. So. Um, Anyway, okay, so, all right, so our next story, let's talk about the UFOs, because that's what the other thing is, um, but let's, let's do that after we just thank Ariel, okay, because we're halfway through the show. Those of you who tune in all the time, you already know Ariel Ministries is our main sponsor, and they're asking us to remind you about Camp Shoshana and School of Messianic, of Jewish, School of Messianic Jewish Studies, which is between July 7th and September 2nd. You can learn more more by going to campshoshana.com. Actually, off from, um, you know, what was I going to say? Um, you can go to ariel.org, actually. And uh, you can... Uh, you can do Click so. through. You can click through. Sorry, I got distracted by yeah. the comments in the chat room. Okay. Anyway, so you can go there. And you can also use our coupon code BibleNews. Uh, and save 20% on anything in the store. In fact, Not I encourage... camp, but... You can't do it on camp, right? Yeah, but um, but you can use Bible News to save 20% on anything in the store. And, you know, I encourage you to get the, the, the first Peter Bible study that we're going through right now. It's really good stuff, and you can get it literally for under five bucks. You can get the MP3 and the PDF of the first Peter book for $4.80 when you use the coupon code. Also, if you want to become a pillar of our community, I have a number of you in the in the room. In fact, let me shout you out, people. So the current pillars in our community are Mia, Chapa, and Mama Gina, and uh, Sean is a pillar as well. You guys, you three are in there. I think I think Melanie. I don't know if she's still in there, but usually she's she's a pillar too. But you, the three of you in there, thank you guys for being our pillars of the community donating to us every month and uh, if those of you who are not yet pillars but you enjoy our show you know we could definitely use your 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 support so you can go to biblenewsradio.com forward slash give and sign up today and just donate whatever you can it definitely helps oh there you are melanie i don't know why i couldn't see you anyway and melanie is too so uh so we appreciate that support um, you can also support us through Legal Shield. Uh, when you buy Legal Shield through me, it actually blesses us and helps support the show as well. Um, so we thank you for that. All right. So UFOs and the big post rapture lie. Uh, and um, which? Okay, wait. Hold on a minute. I gotta get on the right screen. <laughs> Going with the Compass article. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I had to flip over there. You all? Do you want to read this one? I can. Yeah, go ahead. And now Bareface shall read the article for you so I can take some water. Okay, well, let me um, do something with uh, He's gonna my make screen his... capture here because I'm... Because oh. after moving the keyboard and mouse... I'm... Put a one if you like it when we have our face next to the article on the screen. Put a two if you don't care. 
Just curious. I am just curious. Viewer experiences. Okay, people like it. All right. All right, you guys all like that? There you go. There's handsome, hunky man. Okay, Bareface, take it over. Okay, this article over in compass.org. We read uh, UFOs and the big post-rapture lie. Uh, the oldest known recorded incident of a UFO comes from the Bible. Well, technically, I guess so. Mm -hmm. uh, 2,800 years ago, Eliyahu, or Elijah, the prophet, exited this earth on what is best described as a UFO, an unidentified flying object. We read in 2 Kings 2.11, As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them, and Eliyahu went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Uh, this incident lies emboldened in the minds of the Jewish people, because God confirmed Eliyahu did not die, but would return again in the next to last sentence of the Old Testament. Uh, the book of Malachi records, Behold, I am going to send... You, Eliyahu the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Uh, Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5. Uh, to this day, the Passover, at Passover every year, Jewish families set an extra place at the table, or an Elijah's cup, uh, for the prophet Elijah, Eliyahu, in case he shows up, just before the Passover meal is to be served. The young kids are often sent to the front door to see if Eliyahu has come. But if you are a UFO proponent who thinks Eliyahu's earthly departure is proof that USOs, UFOs are real, you're sadly mistaken. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach that there's any other form of human life in the universe. No extraterrestrial beings are anywhere in the vast universe, quite the opposite. God always refers to the earth being singularly significant above all else. But do I believe in UFO do I believe UFOs are referenced to in another place in the Bible in the New Testament? And it oh, but I do believe. <laughs> Sorry, it's a statement, not a question. It just seemed like it was being set up like a question, but but I do believe. UFOs are referred to in another place in the Bible, in the New Testament, and that is referring to this day and age, the last of the last days. Immediately after the rapture of the church, in the midst of the mind-boggling reality that millions of people just disappeared in the twinkling of an eye, Satan, via his new world leader, must explain what has just happened. It's called the big lie. And... Um, We'll look at that in a moment here. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica about the rapture and the evil one who is referred to uh, rule in the aftermath says this, For this reason God will send upon him them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. And I believe in, well let's see what the writer says, but in Second Thessalonians uh, 2 verse 11, if you look in the Greek, uh, it actually has a definite article, not just what is false, but the lie. Anyway, I could be wrong. But Satan will do what he does best. He will tell a big, bold lie about what just happened. He will try to get people to believe what is false, dooming forever in hell those who believe what he says. 
Ever since the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 1977, wow, was that long ago? Anyway, I believe Satan has been nervously, has yeah, been nervously preparing the world for this lie. We've we've seen an obvious exponential increase, probably more like logarithmic or geometric, not exponential, just so you know. Uh, we've seen an exponential increase in UFO articles over the last 40 years and also more, quote, sightings, unquote. Now, if you are following me closely here, I just said there have been UFO sightings. Yet, at the beginning of this article, I said there are no such things as extraterrestrial beings. How could that be? It's not that difficult to understand if you stick with the Bible because it's clear that Satan is an angel and angels are spirits. And the Bible says these spirits can take on the form of humans. They look so real, you don't even know that they're not human. Um, Hebrews 13.2, do not neglect to show hospitality strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Should I go on with the angel basics? And up to you. Um, it's quarter to five, so yeah, there's a lot to this article. There is a lot, but the point is, yeah, go over to uh, compass.org to see the rest. But Stacy's going to sum it up for you right now. I am. Yeah, you said the point of it is. Well, yeah, the point. <laughs> In a nutshell, the point is, how is how are how is the world going to explain us when we're gone? Just saying. The disappearance. Of- yep. UFOs are real people. They are. But not, but not, not, but not as interstellar spacecraft from, from other planets. Right. Extraterrestrial, sure, not of this Earth. Right. But, um, but not of this. Yeah. Dimension either. Man, you I'm know, all of a sudden so. feeling super hungry. Well, we should probably eat after the program. Yeah, I have half a hamburger left. I should go eat that later. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyway, you can go ahead. You can read. You can read that article. I'll tweet that one out too. I did tweet out the other one, and I'll post that in the Daily Disciples group. Okay, dancing with the scoffers. Last last article. This is over on RaptureReady.com, written by Jonathan Brent Brentner. Jonathan Brentner uh, says here, Scripture tells us. The last days will be marked by those who mock our hope in Jesus's imminent return. The Apostle Peter reveals that in the last days, scoffers will appear ridiculing such hope with this question. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Second Peter 3, uh, 3 to 4. J.D. Farag, who, by the way, I got to meet an interview in person. It was super cool. In his May 26, 2019 prophecy update listed the presence of scoffers as the number one sign that we now live in the last days. Sadly, many Christian leaders have joined the ranks of those who mock our eager anticipation. How can we recognize these modern day scoffers? Below, I list five ways that make themselves known. Okay, number one. Number one, scoffers discount the words of the prophets. Yeah, they do. Um, Peter begins his warning about scoffers by instructing his readers to remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. In Second Peter 3, verse 2, in the New American Standard. 
Bible, which is what I read. Notice the emphasis on words. The apostle tells us to remember the words of the Old Testament prophets. The words that prophets such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah wrote regarding the future have great significance. When Isaiah says the Messiah will rule over his kingdom seated on the throne of David, he means exactly that. I do not understand why so many disregard, or regard rather, the opening lines of Isaiah 9-6 as literal, but apply a much different meaning to Isaiah's words re regarding Jesus' future reign on the throne of David. Has the meaning of Isaiah's words changed over the many centuries? Question mark. Scoffers also reduce much of the book of Revelation to allegory. The problem is this, if one claims that John's prophecies of the millennial reign and New Jerusalem must be taken allegorically, as many do, then who decides what those passages mean? The opinions vary widely. Th furthermore, who decides what passages in the apocalypse are symbolic and which one represents the intent of the author? Yeah, that's a good question. And this is one of the things Scary um, Stearman and those guys talk about all the time. It's an easy question, though. It's an easy answer. Answer it. You're so smart. Well, there's really nothing new, no new prophecies in the book of Revelation. Uh -huh. I'd say 95% anyway you can find in the prophecies of the Old Testament. They're just put in a chronological order in the Apocalypso, the, the Apocalypse, the unveiling, the revelation of Yeshua, the Messiah, right. to John. And so, and the best commentary in scripture is scripture. And so you can look back on these prophecies and it gives you a clue. And there's clues in the, in the, in the text where John uses such languages as if it were. Um, and other places, you know, as if it were. It's, it's, it's not saying it is, so it's a way of describing it. And there's others that are told, us, told straight out that um like the the um prayers of the saints are these bowls of incense because you can't see prayers but they're visualized as you know so something immaterial is is presented as something physical and yeah and understand from the new testament the the imagery and 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 jewish anyway just so you know just wheaton has a question he's got yeah. two questions well, we answer questions if I deem them serious enough to answer yeah. it. If they're a trollish type question, you may as well not ask it because I won't answer it. We've got 10 minutes. But, but if it's a sincere question, we will do our best. And we will determine if we think it's sincere, just so yeah. you know. <laughs> All right. So the first question, do fallen angels... She's the boss. So. Okay. Do fallen angels, <laughs> which you said angles, but whatever. Do fallen angels have the ability to take on human form? If so, where in the Bible does it say that? Um... Well, certainly they're able to take on some sort of form. Um, and we see that e angels themselves take on human form as the, you know, the citation the Hebrews, you know, Hebrews says, yeah. and, and that, uh, I well, think, well, I think the writer was thinking of in Genesis when, you know, the two angels that eventually ended up going to Sodom to rescue Lot and his family, right? And they appeared as men and, and the, the angel that appeared to um, uh, Shim Samson's, <laughs> I was going to say Shimshon, so the name is in the Hebrew, uh, appeared to Samson's mother, 
uh, appeared as a as a man. Speaking of angels, this is a good book to get by Michael Heiser. What the Bible says about God's heavenly host. If you've never read Michael Heiser's work, you should check it out. We actually had him on the show a while back talking about this book. So, check it out. That's what I would I would refer you to that because he's a scholar on so many deep levels, theologically and, and all that. Yeah, there's nothing in Scripture to indicate that the fallen angels lost any any abilities you know there's supernatural <sighs> powers just that they they rebelled against god and so now they're rebelling as god and they're not part of his purpose they're not ministering spirits okay so his, his question is we see angels but do but where have we seen fallen angels taking on human form in the bible well you know um well, i think those, something... i think they turn into demons that's what i think well that's my that's my <sighs> opinion well, Paul writing to the Corinthians says that if Paul, if, if Satan himself transforms himself into an angel. angel of light, is it any wonder that his, that his, you know, that his angels uh, transform themselves or appear as ministers of righteousness? And so, you know, so I don't look know. At, I'm not going to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to drop some names. I was going to say. Just look at some big, huge mega churches in Texas, and you'll be. You'll um, anyway, uh, we gotta finish so, this article, though. Okay. This, yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll do a show on that. Okay. So um, that's a good. Those are good questions. So we'll, Indeed, there are good questions. We'll, we'll see. Um, see that. Okay. So uh, where'd we leave off here about the scoffers thing? Uh, you read about the throne of Dave Zechariah. So, uh, well, scoffers. I also read much of the book of Revelation the Re- allegory. Reduce, reduce much of it. Okay. Yeah. So. so then I said, of course, the writers of scripture use imagery, symbolism, and metaphors. Scoffers, however, go beyond the original intent of the authors and change the plain meaning of prophetic texts into allegory, into something unrecognizable at the time of the writing. Okay. Number three, scoffers ignore Jesus's command to watch. Yep. By the way, it's kind of interesting this morning when we were going to our networking meeting, like four of us showed up at the same time, and the rapture actually was mentioned on our way in. So that was kind of interesting. Peter also urges us to remember the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your, by your apostles, Second Peter 3, 2. The Lord gave many commands, though the apostles would be through. But here Peter refers to one in particular that relates to his coming. Is it not the Lord's instruction that fits best the context of that watchfulness and readiness? Matthew 24, 42, 44, 25, and 13. The, how do you say that? The, uh, I'm not sure, didache. The teaching, maybe it's didactic, but it's supposed to be similar yeah. to that. Okay. If I saw it in the Greek, I'd yeah. people pronounce it, but I think it's supposed to be Which means didache. teaching in the Greek right. is a brief document from the early church. Many scholars date it to the first century, perhaps as early as A.D. 70, although it may not have been formally compiled until around A.D. 300. The first sentence of the document states the Lord's teaching through the Twelve Apostles to the Nations. Chapter 16 of the Didacti contains instructions regarding watching for the coming of the Lord. Watch for your life's sake. Let not your lamps be quenched, nor your loins unloosed, but be ready, for you know not the hour in which our Lord will come. 
with a didacti or however you say that. We have a document from early in the life of the church that prescribes the same watchfulness as Jesus commanded in Matthew. If nothing else, this document demonstrates the importance the early church placed on the readiness of Jesus's return. Modern day scoffers never emphasize Jesus's command to watch for his coming. Well, the scoffers don't even like Jesus, so that's that's a big part of it right there. They don't even like him. They they hate they don't even like to actually validate that he was historical. All right, number 3, scoffers question the promise of Jesus's coming. What exactly are the scoffers questioning in 2 Peter 3? Or second, yeah, Second Peter three. The word for coming, verse four, in the Greek is parousia. Parousia. In First Thessalonians four fifteen, the word denotes the rapture of the church, as it does the Second Thessalonians two one. However, in Second Thessalonians two eight, the word refers to the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, it does. Context decides whether parousia refers to the rapture or to the second coming. The context in 2 Peter 3 indicates that the apostle is referring to the rapture rather than the second coming. The denial of his coming coincides with the denial of the time of tribulation. We see the same sequence in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-9. The rapture delivers believers from the destruction of the day of the Lord that will come upon others like a thief in the night. Okay, just move on to the next one. Number four, scoffers negate the warnings of scripture concerning the tribulation. <clears throat> I think that's a big one. Uh, in in three, four, and seven, Peter. Yeah, Second Peter three verses four through seven. Okay, doesn't say Second Peter, but I happen to know just because he says what he was talking about. Gotcha. Tells us that these scoffers deny the reality of the Genesis six to eight flood. In so doing, they deny the reality of the tribulation. Of course, we see this denial of the Genesis account both inside and outside the church today. It's commonplace today to mock the reality of Noah's blood. Okay, move on to the next one. Fifth one, scoffers misinterpret God's patience. Yeah, they do. In 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, the apostle says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Scoffers twist God's patience into signifying that the Lord is not returning for his church while some deny the importance of the second coming. Mockers fail to understand the Lord's patience in waiting for people to repent before he sends the horrific judgments of the tribulation. Instead, they see it as an indication he is not returning at all for his church or even claim that Jesus already returned in AD 70, which drives me crazy, actually. It's the... That, that whole debate is annoying to me. <clears throat> Why am I warning believers to refuse the appealing invitation to dance with the scoffers? I do so because so many Bible-believing church leaders today deny the reality of both the, the rapture and the tribulation, to which I would say, if they're Bible-believing, they, <laughs> they wouldn't be doing that. But anyway... Many eloquent preachers and exceptionally gifted writers teach there is no rapture, no tribulation, nor even a millennial reign of Jesus ahead of the eternal state. I do not know how that is even possible. I also write because the scoffers invite to dance comes with much appeal. On the surface, their teaching sounds scholarly and intellectual. So many 
great Christian theologians of our day, as well as in the past, deny the reality of a tribulation and a future kingdom for the nation of Israel. Those quote in the know, unquote, regarding these things see what those who take a more literal approach to God's word cannot see. If we would only dance with them, we would see how New Testament revelation changes the original tent of the Old Testament prophets. My appeal is for you to run the race as did the Apostle Paul, who never ceased watching for and loving Jesus' appearing. He wrote this to Timothy shortly before his martyrdom. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. You just, I was reading it. You're reading that side? I was reading on the screen. Now i well, got to go on, find it. It was on both sides. Okay, I'm reading it in front of me. Okay? It should be on both sides. It is, but now I have to look over there. Okay. Okay, I've kept the faith henceforth. Now it looks like I'm looking over there instead of over there. Stop it. Okay. okay. All right, see, you got, how is it? How can I work with Bareface? He's, <laughs> he, he says to me, hey, I'm going to get this thing. I'm going to do this so it looks like. <laughs> and then he takes my, my text away. And plus, it's too small. Make it bigger. No, it's, it's okay. You don't have to make it bigger. All right. Now it's big enough. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Now I got to find my spot. Yeah. Blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll start there. Yeah. Thank you for highlighting it. Make this like a real prompter. My appeal is for you to run the race, as did the Apostle Paul, who never ceased watching for and loving Jesus is appearing. He wrote this to Timothy shortly before his martyrdom. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Yeah, I have. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So that's promised people, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. In Philippians 3.20, he adds, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Endure with watchfulness. Do not dance with scoffers. That is the end, people. Yeah, it is. And you know what? We do have scoffers. All we got to do is, is pull up this show on Periscope <laughs> or anywhere else and open up comments, make sure a lot of liberals and people who hate God come in. No offense if you're liberal and you love God, but I'm generally speaking here. Um, you know, and then the scoffers will come in. Yeah, they will. And then I will say, you're just fulfilling Bible prophecy by doing that. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? You're an idiot. To which I would say, you might think so, but I don't think God does, just so you know. All right. Well, tomorrow is Friday. Yeah, it is. Or is it Friday? Yeah, it's Friday, uh, which means it's free for all Friday people. And you know, I might have something up my sleeve. Yeah, I might. You know what it would be? My arm. Yeah, it would. <laughs> anyway, so tomorrow we will continue, Lord willing, the show. Unless the rapture takes place between now and then, then unfortunately if that happens, well, fortunately most of us will be gone most of you guys here, you know, will, uh, you know, be with us. Tomorrow is Friday. It's not Thursday. Danielle, tomorrow is Friday. That's what I said. Today is Thursday. Tomorrow is Friday. Okay. All right. All right.
Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I like my chat room. They always correct me, even when I'm not needing to be corrected. <laughs> okay, you guys. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Remember, as I always say at the end of every show, be bold, stand up, and go with God, because he loves you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.